1: Hello, welcome to the Always Be Comedy Podcast. My name is James Gill. I am the MC at the multi-award-winning comedy nights, Always Be Comedy. I'm joined, as always, by my comedy husband, Always Be Comedy's very own, Tim Lewis. Hello, Tim Lewis. Hello, James Gill. The Always Be Comedy Podcast is where we sit down with a guest and they curate what would be their dream comedy gig. Who would open? Who would close? What sort of gigging nightmare that they've experienced must not, under any circumstances, happen at this fantasy comedy gig. It's all this, and so much more. And by so much more, we often mean quite a lot of gossip. Hello, welcome to the Always Be Comedy Podcast. We're joined today by the firebrand that is Sarah, Baron, uh, Tim Lewis, Sarah plays ABC,
2: a fair bit. An absolute roofer. Just one of my favourite people in comedy at this stage. We've booked her a lot in the past year or two, and every single time she's been excellent, but even more importantly, the queen of the hang.
1: Hall of Fame pre-gig hang. I, I, you know what Tim I'd put her in the Ed Gamble bracket.
2: <laughs> she is in the Ed Gamble bracket of hangs no doubt about it. Do you know
1: what I I will speaking of Ed Gamble and hangs I will confess to being a a, ba- a, a poor hang this week because I've I've missed a lot of always be comedy due to being on warm up duties across various shows. Tim how have the hangs been this week?
2: Always always a joy always a joy. Yeah, uh, you, look, you've been missed, of course, but I've done what I can <laughs> to keep the vibe in the room. I mean, let's face it. I mean, I was there for
1: Bill Bailey on Sunday. That was that was awesome. Lovely. So lovely. What a guy. But I've missed the likes of Stephen Merchant, uh, Celia AB, Josh Widdicombe, Sarah Keyworth, Ed Gamble, Ivo Graham.
2: Mate, Josh... Oh, uh, Joe Wilkinson. What a week. What, what a ridiculous week my god what a week fucking hell that's uh
1: that's a preposterous week um now sarah baron if you've never seen sarah live we would strongly recommend you rectify that we will you know what tim i will set the challenge by the time (laughs) this episode comes out sarah will be rebooked to always be comedy that is my vow so if you check the always be comedy website you'll be able to see sarah at always be Comedy at the Tommy Field in Kennington. Uh, Also, Sarah has a podcast with her husband, uh, uh, a frankly generational broadcaster in Jeff Lloyd, and the podcast is called They Like to Watch. What they do is they interview people who have created or starred in or had a hand in uh, some sort of seismic TV project it all started with Succession. Jeff and Sarah are, I mean, Tim and myself, we're massive Succession fans. Mm-hmm. We are absolute amateurs compared to those two. Uh, it started with a Succession podcast they had and it, it, and it span off from that. Some of the guests they've had uh, have been wonderful. And the two of them are just, I mean, the husband and wife, so the chemistry really does go without saying, but they're both brilliant broadcasters. It's called They Like to Watch. If you love box sets, uh, if you love telly, I would say this is the pod for you. And then also, Tim, one of the things that I loved about this particular episode is that Baron shares her tele-knowledge and gives us uh, and the listeners some real steers for future box sets.
2: Yeah, she really knows what she's talking about. Like, she has such a passion for TV. It's why her podcast is so brilliant. And, yeah, she gives good shout-outs to things that you might not have heard of. So yeah, it, she's she's good at finding the hidden gems. She's brilliant. Tim, I would say that
1: Sarah loves telly in the way that you and I love movies. We've teased this, <laughs> we've teased this Oscar bonus episode uh, of the Always Be Comedy podcast.
2: Tim, have you seen American fiction yet? I've not seen American fiction. I said I would last episode, so I apologize for that. I instead opted for Zone of Interest Oh boy! Now, quite, quite a different film, I think, but um, yeah, a big, big, big old picture. I am going to say that. Wait, did you have a thousand miles there for about forty eight hours after watching it? Uh, yeah, I did actually. It was really weird. Um, halfway through the film, <laughs> it mean it's interesting. Halfway through the film, I realised that I was in the exact same screen where I watched uh Jonathan Glazer's previous film, Under a Skin, in. Ah, I was like, that's weird. I went to Under a Skin on a date, and I don't know if you've seen Under a Skin, but it is not a date movie. That is not a date movie. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was an odd, odd time. I will. Do you want me, do you want me to overshare a date story? I, I would love nothing more. When I was a teenager, I
1: looked about nine years old. Right. When I went to university. People thought I was a child genius, <laughs> and then they saw the results I was getting and realised I was not a child. Still, maybe a child, but not a child genius. Uh, but when I was when I was a teenager, I took a this is oh my god. I took a girl to go see Under Siege, the Steven Seagal action film. I- that is a fifteen certificate. I couldn't get in. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> because. I, I looked about seven years old, and we ended up having to go see uh, "Honey, I Blew Up the Baby." <laughs> oh no! Not even "Honey, I," not even "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids," but the shitter sequel, "Honey, I Blew Up the Baby." And uh, guys, spoiler: there was not another date
2: after that. <laughs> oh no! That is. Oh. That is like unrecoverable shame, isn't it? That's fantastic. What age were you?
1: I Let me say I was 14, but you know what? I'm not sure I was. I bet I was 15. <laughs> yeah. No. I might have to Google the dates and work it out. I'm, I bet I was 15. Absolutely. Do you find that, like, with things that embarrass you, you think, oh, I'll get over that, But but ultimately...
2: There's, when you re, when I revisit things like that, the shame is still there. Oh, I mean, absolutely. There there are those things where you have that. You're just in the shops, and then suddenly, for some reason, <laughs> you think of it, and <laughs> that minute is a write off. Not-
1: <laughs> that minute is a write off, mate. If you're in a shop and you
2: remember, so- I practically have to put a hand on the wall. I I I will. I will groan out <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, good Lord. Yes, absolutely. Um, share
1: your <laughs> dating shame story. No, no, you know what, do? I quite like that. If you I want, mean, if you want, sure, if you want but, if, but if you don't want to, we also understand. Oh, yeah. Now, Tim, it's that time of year. We've been, you know, we talk Oscars a lot. We we, we, we really love an award ceremony. But the Mac Daddy of them all... <laughs> <a lot. laughs> For Always be comedy. It's the Chortle Awards. Now we we won this last year, first time we've ever won it. We would we would love to go back to back. So visit chortle.co.uk, and then you're clicking the link that says "Vote in the 2024 Chortle Awards." Now there are loads of nominees, and there's loads of big Always Be Comedy favourites. There's the, you know there's your Sarah Pascoes and your, your Sakisa's and 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 so on. So obviously vote for all we all your Always Be Comedy Favorites, where we come in is, I'll be honest with you guys, it's, its it's, we appreciate you might have to scroll down a bit. Here we go. Best Pro Comedy Night, a regular comedy gig held in a pub, theater or art center type building. Your answer, please put, always be comedy. Dudes, every vote counts. We'd be super grateful. Best Pro Comedy Night, a regular comedy gig held in a pub, theatre, or I don't know why I'm saying it twice, or art centre type building, please vote Always Be Comedy. That would be awesome. Tim and I are polite chaps, so we, we cannot emphasise enough both please and thank you. As ever, send in your correspondence, the team at alwaysbecomedy.com. Uh, five star re- dudes. Those five star reviews. You have no idea how helpful they are. Do us a favor. Press pause, and whack a five star review for your old pals. At Always be comedy. Uh, as ever, we have a lot of shows coming for Always Be Comedy. I mean, Tim, we've had a run recently where we, we, we were doing like ten shows a week.
2: I mean, you I mean I think I think more uh, in a recent week. Yeah, at the time of recording, we're in one of those 10 show weeks. And it's been joy of joys. It's been great. So in the in the coming weeks and months, you, if you're
1: on the website, alwaysbecomedy.com, you will find uh, the likes of uh, Flo and Joan. Oh, Joseph Morpurgo is making his return. Oh, I not even mention that on the newsletter. Uh, Jen Brister, Nick Helm, Rosie Holt, Ian Sterling, special guests, uh, and many oh, Sophie Duke is back Friday, the 22nd of March. If it sounds like I'm scrolling down and reading these names out, that is literally what I'm doing. Uh, and then we're doing some work in progress shows with Rachel Paris, uh, or as my mum still calls her, Rachel Parrish. Um, she's a fan of the actress Sarah Parrish. There's a bit of crossover there to explain how that has happened. Um, anyway, without further ado. Uh, we welcome the maestro. Tim, in fact, you know what? Before we get Sarah on, we've got to say, one of the most explosive
2: performers that we've seen It Always Be Comedy. Yeah, absolutely. I don't actually know if she has uh, a drama degree or something, but it would not shock me if she has some sort of theatre training. So in the moment the passion of again for the bingo card we know that bingo
1: card number 2 is being made we're, we're very excited another classic i've never
2: seen her do the same set twice no absolutely writes a lot of new stuff it's great the crowd work is great yeah and she has no hesitation to analyze a gig as it's happening in real time do you know what? i love I, I think sarah is sometimes self critical but
1: when she analyzes a gig in real time and the internal monologue gets a very much
2: an out loud uh, run out it's wonderful <laughs> yeah i really love it I, well yeah look she's just great she's so good she'll say something like okay guys there was
1: a lot of trust in the room you really went with me for the first 15 minutes and then i tried something that was new and i felt like you weren't there with me and then they're then <laughs> guffawing at that and then it's yeah. right back in something else yeah, uh, really great. Here she is, Sarah Barron. Uh, we're joined today by the great Sarah Barron. Right, Sarah, absolute dynamite performer, always goes down a storm, always be comedy. Now that Now, please talk us through. They like to watch. What a great idea. Sarah, how did it come about?
0: Oh, okay, great. So when? I was obsessed with Succession, the TV show. Were you, you were as well, correct? Big time. So I was obsessed with it. And then as season three was coming back in like 2021, I was going on tour. And my husband and I were approaching how we would be able to watch Succession together when I was traveling for work. We were putting as much effort into that as we were into like managing childcare. And I and I was like, oh, there's something there's something in this idea that we have to watch it together. And you only get one episode a week and then you need a place to put your feelings about this piece of television that like consumes those of us who are into it. So we started doing a companion podcast about succession. It went well. And we sort of got to like speak to all these people involved in it. And then that spiraled into it. Like when Succession ended as Succession heads, we were like, what are any of us supposed to watch now that Succession is over? Like all television feels so shitty after Succession. So we started this podcast, They Like to Watch, which is about hunting all over for people of similar taste um, to find the this, this stuff on your TV that is actually going to be worth your time. So that when you sit down with your partner at the beginning of an evening, you're not like, what are we doing tonight? Is there anything on? We do the work of going, yes, yes, yes. Here's what you're going to watch. Here's what's worth your time.
1: And then to get to chat to the brains or people involved with these shows, it could be, it could be the show creator, it could be a star. <clears throat> what a thrill that is. And also it's great because they want to be on your show because they're talking about a thing that they're passionate about. And then you get to meet these, incredibly interesting people it's it's wins all around
0: it's wins all around it's also like it's been very freeing because I think you know when you work in comedy and when you're a stand-up and people kind of know that you write and know that you at least try to write funny a conversation that so many of us wind up having is like so have you ever thought about a tv show like if you thought like if you were to do a tv show what's your idea but I think most of us go of course I thought about a tv show here's my idea blah 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 and talking to all these people who make tv has completely cleansed me of ever wanting to write television myself. Because what you realize talking to all these people is it's like they, they I don't know if I should say this, but they, like, they clearly have a level of talent and um, ambition and drive that I have for stand up, but I don't think I have it when it comes to television writing. And it was like, oh, right. I don't need to have a television idea because it would only ever be mediocre in comparison to these kind of people who make this level of art.
1: And, And these guys have to be bulletproof in terms of rewrite, 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 notes, rewrite. I mean, that side, that, I've chatted with people who've written stuff for telly and it blows my mind some of the stories that I've heard.
0: I think if I'm not speaking out of turn, I learned that an average succession script goes through 40 drafts. And you know, when I've spoken to like other oh, creators or or stand-up, like people that we like I went, we interviewed Bridget Christie because her show The Change was on TV, which was fantastic. And I said to her, you know, when we talk to people, we try to find out like, what are you watching? What are you into? And she's like, I have been watching that much because I'm always working. And that's the thing. Like as a stand-up, you're sort of fighting to like get the next opportunity, raise the profile, do a show, do this. And when you actually get to where you want, where you want to be, you're never not working. There's always a script that needs something. There's a bit that needs this. There's a pro- like you're just working for basically every available hour that you have in the day. Yeah. And the idea of that money is really appealing, but the idea of the schedule does make me feel like I can feel like the panic just climbing into my chest. This
1: is a comedian we know who wrote a TV uh pitch i think it went it took two years and the commissioner said yep this is now ready i'll take this to the head of the channel this this went for two years and then the head of the channel looked at it and just went yeah not for us this
0: yeah that happened to um a friend of mine now she's got like um she's got a whole show on um her name and she's, she's open about her story and her journey Um, But Catherine, if you say journey, it's got to be it's that's an American word, right? Like if you say journey, if British person says journey, it's always a rail announcement. But if I say it, it's like I'm on a personal journey
1: of journey as well. I think um, the likes of Pop Idol and X Factor brought journey into the everyday vernacular because someone would get booted out after week three and they'd say, I've been on such a journey. And you're like, come on, guys.
0: We love a journey and it just never sounds the same when you're trying to do it. Um, but, <laughs> but all right, journey. Journey. She, um, now she's like the showrunner of this major, major Apple TV show. But I remember seeing her one day a couple of years ago and she'd been in development with something for like four years and then it was about to do. And, and they were like, Yeah, I'm sorry, we're not going to do it. And she couldn't talk about it without sobbing, like which I completely understood. It was like a death, you know, it was like. You know, not a real death, but you know what I mean. for nothing.
1: Sophia Coppola had a show with Florence Pugh. Have you heard about this? It's just come out this week. No, and, that, and then that didn't get made. And you're like, Sophia Coppola and Florence Pugh, and the and the w- w- the, the channel that it was went. I ah, know, no, nah, I don't think we'll carry on with this. I mean, right. it's, so I, can't what are- I can't say that's depressing or or encouraging.
0: I think it's it's both of. Those things, isn't it? It's like, oh, good, but at least I know I don't even need to fucking try. That's what I take from that. God. Uh,
1: so I've I've got to ask on behalf of every listener if Succession is that that meaty novel that you know almost Dickensian in terms of its scope and its size and its ambition and so on. What um, what have you discovered post Succession that comes close to filling that? I mean let's face it it's a void.
0: It's a void. There's an Australian show called Mister In Between. Have you heard of it?
1: No, I'm writing it down.
0: It's written. It was it was like a a 10-year process of getting it made. It's written and starring this like mad genius named Scott Ryan. And the idea is is like he's a hitman, but you see him in his day to day.
1: Hang on this ring's a bell now.
0: And it's half hours and it is like, I think it belongs in that category with The Soprano. Like it's, it is that excellent. And it's, you know, small and specific and funny and weird and incredibly depressing and fantastic. That's Mister in between. Everyone right now is talking about the curse that Nathan Fielder and Benny Safty thing. Have you watched The Curse?
1: Yeah, Tim, always becoming his very own Tim Lewis is He's absolutely Johnny curse. He's watched the whole thing. We did we did that classic gill thing. When I say we, it's Mrs. G and myself. The classic gill thing of watching the first two episodes of something, both going, yep, yeah, we're enjoying this, and then never watching it ever again.
0: I understand. That happens all the time. There's no guilt in that. But I'm saying to you, if you can if you can head back to the curse, head back to the curse. This most recent season of Fargo with John Hamm in it. Um has been extreme Slight so like Tangent.
1: Why is John Ham not in the top 10 biggest movie stars on the planet?
0: It like so what you want to see him in more. I was having the conversation with a friend about this last night. Like, there's movie stars, and then there's fine actor.
1: John John Ham, everything I know about the guy is he's a king among men. Amy Pola tells that amazing story about when she was pregnant on SNL. I think she's going to labour or something, and John Ham perfect gag as, as stuff's happening in the build up to the show, and he says something like, "Do you mind?" This is actually quite a big deal for me. And then she, she, she said it was like the perfect gag for the perfect moment. So everything I know about John Ham, a friend of ours has met him socially. Apparently, an absolute king among men, yep. and he's, he's 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 obviously the most handsome guy since Cary Grant. I mean, you know, he looks he looks incredible. He's a really good actor obviously madmen so he he made all the right moves and then for whatever reason the movie thing is great in the town but it just never quite like that's the line right listen i'm holding my hand up, and then ham sort of did this thing where he he hit the line and it just never does any of this make sense
0: here's the thing like do actors think about movies in the same way like do they think about movies in comparison to television in the same way that they did 20 or 30 years ago
1: so obviously tv tv's cha- obviously tv has changed for the better and it's uh prestige television this this new thing you know tele- the golden age of telly and i and i do get all that but surely every actor even even those who in- Oscar. surely they all secretly want the oscar
0: well look we should Put it out there. This Fargo thing has reminded everyone what he's capable of. And all of us here want to see him. We want to see him with an Oscar nom. That's what we want.
1: That's it. But but then also, I'm certainly guilty of this. I put my, I'm pretty projecting my own hopes and dreams onto someone who might be perfectly happy. You know, I'm like, if you met John Hammond, he might might be like the happiest guy in the world. And I'm going- (laughs)
0: People just aren't, right? Like people just aren't that happy. Don't you find like even these Hollywood types? So he yeah, probably wants his Oscar. I think he's having a Brad Pitt issue. So Brad Pitt is like one of I think like a phenomenal actor, um, but he's because of how he looks, he did all this kind of movie starry shit, and it wasn't until later in his career that people were like, "Wait, this is just a, he's just a good character actor. Give him weird shit to do, and maybe Hollywood just needs to figure out that John Hamm needs weird shit to do."
1: Well I mean once uh, I'm with you once upon a time in Hollywood is Brad Pitt's <laughs> fight. I mean I have seen that I went to see it at the cinema and then when it came on telly I'd, I'd watch it. I I watched it that is that is an absolute masterpiece that film yeah it's I mean, it's a nothing role for Margot Robbie I accept that she she essentially sits in a cinema and and, and the camera shows her watching a movie but but Brad Pitt I think is and, so, and Leo, of- DiCaprio's great in it as well
0: Oh, see, I hate Leonardo DiCaprio. I, I just don't, to me, I don't get it. Whereas with Brad Pitt, all day and all night. All- DiCaprio,
1: I totally get it. I think he, I actually think he's underrated as an actor. I think he's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's great. W-
0: what film are you like, no, 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 Sarah, go back and do this DiCaprio film and just try and think about it with fresh eyes.
1: Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This Leo? Oh my God! The scene in the trailer where he's beating himself up is is top level. I think it's such a great scene.
0: Okay, here's what I'll say. I've been meaning to revisit that film. I like I don't hate him and I thought he was like amazing <laughs> in Wolf of Wall Street. but oh, then I so just, good. Actually what he does in Wolf of Wall Street to me is actually very similar to the breakdown scene that you're talking about like so it's it's just it's a note that he does and that's fine, but it's it's his note where Leo's acting. but I would so, say but I, I would say deliver- Wolf,
1: Wolf of Wall Street the scene where he tries to open the car with his legs. Is the sort of physical acting that if Buster Keaton or Charlie Chaplin were to see that, they would they would give that a round of applause. That's okay. again, phenomenal.
0: All right, I'll revisit. Maybe I'm because of his personal life. Maybe I maybe I'm bringing a kind of baggage to him that I shouldn't. So I'm going to rewatch that film.
1: Right. So this is, this, is, this is wonderful, and this is, this is this is fascinating because th- we, this is the sort of stuff we've not talked about before. This is great intel. So new season of Fargo with ham. That's, a, that's another good one. Any more for any more.
0: Let me just think for one second. What else? And that's, I- on, oh. that's on
1: Prime Video, isn't it? The new season of Fargo.
0: You, I don't remember, but that sounds right. Yeah. Um, but people who join our Patreon page, we have a list of where everything is shown. It's a very- Well played, episode. well played. Um, what was the one the things? Slow Horses, Slow Horses. Oh, on what a page. show. That is the other thing. If you haven't seen Slow Horses, that shit is nuts. And what I would say, if you are segueing out of succession, like if you need a palate cleanser before you can accept a new love into your life, I would segue out with Veep. Because it has oh. the DNA, has some DNA. And it it's different, but it gets you out. And then you reset. And then you, Mr. In-Between, Fargo, the curse, Slow Horses. This is what you're doing.
1: Julia Louis-Dreyfus in Veep, I'm going to say is... It might be the top five greatest <laughs> comedy performances of all time.
0: One of my, um... I, can hear,
1: I can hear listeners going, Ronnie Barker, porridge. You know, I, I, you know, John Cleese, Faulty Towers. I accept and agree with whatever you're shouting out. You're on a bus shouting out loud, and I agree with what you're shouting. And I would put Julie Louis Dreyfus in that in that category. She's a goddess in that show
0: is and there's a there's a a, an iconic scene where she comes to britain to meet with the prime minister and they're in this kind of weird power dismissive dynamic and they take her to a pub and she has to pull a pint and they're telling her down down in one dolly and she thinks it's donny wah and so she starts shouting out donny wah donny wah (laughs) the that alone is, is worth the price of admission
1: She's great. And then what? Uh, what's the name of the actor that plays her assistant?
0: Oh, I'm um, Tony Hale from Tony oh, Hale.
1: I've heard Tony Hale tell a story. He goes, he went for an audition and for the audition, it said uh, character, a Tony Hale type. And he didn't, he didn't get the part.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he, um, I heard, I don't know if anyone will find any of your listeners will find this helpful, but I heard Tony Hale on like a, I'm like a happiness podcast. So it's this, it's a podcast called The Happiness Lab and she gets people on and it's like happiness is science and all this bullshit, but it's kind of good sometimes. And he was on and he was talking about how his entire like young adulthood was about if only I went to LA for pilot season and got a pilot. Like I really understand in myself that if I book a pilot, I will be fulfilled. He then goes on to be cast in Arrested Development and Veep, two of the greatest sitcoms that have ever existed and ever will exist. Still could not manage his anxiety and still could not manage. And I just love it, I was like, oh, right. It, whatever this is, it's gonna be in all of us all the time, forever, regardless of what we get in terms of our personal relationships or our life or whatever. I know I'm confirming American stereotypes. I'm making no, this about listen. this is about a journey. But I think that people should also like I felt freed by that. I'm like, oh, I think if I just get to this place with stand-up it'll mean this other thing. And it's like, nothing ever means anything. You're just swimming through the pool of shit, trying to like feel for the side as, and when you can. And again, it's depressing, but it is freeing at the same time.
1: I've no. not your scenes, the choir. I am Johnny self-help. I've essentially completed self-help and a recurring theme is this hole. I'm doing this on my, Sarah had also done yeah. it. This is like a hole in your soul. You have to feel that like now, rather yeah. than rather than oh, if I if I book blah, 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 then I'll be happy. No, you've got to you've got to enjoy this now, haven't you?
0: Yes. Whatever you have at the moment.
1: We all know the gar- <laughs> We all know the people. Sarah did namaste. We all know the people who. I mean, the, the, the people who, if they want, if they were to win three Oscars, they would still complain that Catherine Hepburn had won four. Yes. And it's that sort of. You've got to enjoy this, the here and now, and all that. Easy, it's easier said than done, of course.
0: Well, this is what they talk about in the happy, the happiness lab. Is that there's, n- it's not happiness, James. Yes, please. It's happierness. So we are not trying to be happy. We are going for happier. What little tiny tweaks make me go? Oh, I just feel a little more able to enjoy the day by day
1: see, what would help me is if I didn't have two coffees first thing in the morning, because all that does is just make me Captain Anxious. Terrible. I like
0: that, that mug. It's like a superhero head, but as a mug. I feel like for another person, that'd be the thing that they got, but never used. But you're like, oh. no, I'm using this guy. He's coming out.
1: Couldn't be happy. It's a Captain America mug in the shape of Captain America's head. Yeah, it's yes. it's it's among my pride and joy. Uh, Sarah, the, the, the stand up. Tim and I have said this privately, and then I think we've said it to your face. You've always been brilliant. And then this past 18 months, you I'd say you've crossed over to the promised land.
0: You're so sweet. I always just feel that, you, that one of your skills, James, is you know how to talk to the talent. Oh, does he know how to talk to the talent? So I feel you're just buttering me up so that I always feel happy when I'm around you and I'll drop any other gig to do your gig, which I say to your face. So that's really nice to hear, and I hope that's sort of right. I had a stinker of a gig two nights ago. So I'm not feeling like my best self at the moment, but that's really nice to hear. I would say, <laughs>
1: as as much as you just made me an F, I would say the proof, my friend, is in the pudding because we we've I mean we've got we've got the video footage to prove it. Um absolute gig annihilation. I guess what I'm saying is you must be do you feel it in yourself? that you've uh, evolved and grown as a as a comedian in the past few months?
0: I remember the first time I ever did your gig and it was like, it was very cool kids and I wanted so bad to impress you. And some, like, I think Sarah Pasco made a nice email on my, so I just felt like, oh God, the stakes are so high. And I was so nervous and I felt I did okay, but not great because I was so nervous. And I thought, this is what, what stand-up is, right? It's about the you getting to higher and higher stakes without feeling any anxiety. Because I was like, if I could be in this room without feeling nervous, I think I could seem so much better than I do right now. So now I come to that room and it's like hanging with friends, super comfortable. I know you like me and I can perform without any anxiety. So that has happened for me specifically in the room in which we often see each other. And then I like to think, although this theory was profoundly disproved at this gig two nights ago, that now when I get on stage and I can feel anything from animosity to disinterest coming at me from the audience, instead of it starting to tighten me up and like, you know, you start to leave your body. It's like, let's just get through these 20 minutes, just get through them. I'm getting better at being like, okay, guys. Hi, here we are. Can we settle in? Are we feeling each other? That's okay. We, but like, and I, I'm managing that better. And I think that that feels good to me, just from a performance perspective. Uh, I, again, was not- I fucked it so bad two nights ago, James. These people hated me, and I could not turn it around. But. You
1: know, but right. I like it always be comedy when you you will deliberately, it's like you're driving a Formula One car and then you deliberately pump the brakes, get out the car and you speak to the pit crew, that's the audience, and you go, okay guys, I feel like you weren't with me on the last bit, but then but then they're laughing because you're so comfortable in the best way possible, then immediately back on side and then you're back in the car and you're offering it. It's, that is the sign of a skilled professional.
0: Yeah, it's nice of you to say, this is, okay, can I, may I compare it to this? This is an adult's podcast, whatever. So it's like, I have female friends, straight female friends who know nothing about their husband's relationship to porn pornography stay with me now this to me is mind-boggling because we all know that men watch pornography and so it's like so there has to be a dialogue around that I need I need we need to talk about it I don't do well this is what I'm trying to say James in any situation I don't do well with an elephant in the room so if it's like you know you're watching porn I know you watch porn You know, I know you watch porn. We got to have a conversation about it. And if I'm doing stand up with your audience, who's very literate, they're there, they're there, they're bright. And I suddenly am like, oh, these are the right people with whom to try this idea, to say this line. And as a room, we all go, that didn't fucking work. That's fine. But I need to say it like it's the elephant. We all know that things were cooking with gas and now they're not. So now I need to be like, I know, just know that I know. So I'm less vulnerable. Bye. See you. See you again in a minute. That yeah. I have to talk about it. I always have to talk about it.
1: No, God, God bless you for it. Now we'll get, we'll get onto you creating your dream gig. I will very quickly throw it into the ring. Uh, we are late to the party, but Mrs. G and I love uh, Gangs of London. I don't know if you've done this.
0: Oh no. I'm going to have to make a note of that. Gangs the, guy, of London.
1: the guy that made the raid, Gareth Evans it's his it's the raid is a i mean that's a great movie uh so this is his baby gangs of london uh-huh. so much fun quite grisly yeah. but but wonderful
0: maybe that'll be a thing i watched this week somehow. i'd say it's
1: not for the faint-hearted there was a torture scene in an episode we watched the other night and oh
0: this is okay. G, G
1: had to go just tell me when this is over
0: that's it yeah i don't do um i don't like puking and i don't like torture anything yeah, this- else if you want to do like an open body autopsy i'm like fine but torture, <laughs> even like a death scene okay torture no thank you this episode is brought to you by smart food popcorn some decisions aren't the best like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast think of all the banter you'll miss the lore in the making luckily smart food popcorn is a no-brainer deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors It's a smart decision every time. Smart food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com.
1: Right, Sarah, you are curating your dream gig. Do you, I think you and I are very similar. So anyway, I won't guess. Do you have any
0: pre-gig rituals? It's a very interesting question. I think... A, a very authentic, but boring answer is that I somewhat obsessively need to have a sip of water. Like I need to hear, and it can't be five minutes before it has to be like, the Compare is going, all right, guys, if we can all just, and then it's like, and then in that moment, I have to take a sip of water. But I heard, Um. who was I listening to? I think it was like Patton Oswald talking to Jerry Seinfeld about meeting Jerry Seinfeld for the first time when he was starting out in up. and, he, and, and Seinfeld was about to go on stage and Pat Oswald like realizes that for a Seinfeld, there is no shift from offstage to onstage. Like this is him and this is him. And I'm always aspiring the, to that because I can hear when I get, I'm so high energy in any situation. Like I actually, when I'm on stage, I want to bring myself down a little bit. I want to really, I need to be down more. I need to relax. I need to slow it all down. And so I'm trying, that's like a little project I'm trying to do. It's like actually no pre gig rituals really, because it's just, oh, I'm just, I'm just, Tim and I are just having a little gossip. We're just talking, we're hanging. Oh, and now James has said my name and now I'm just talking again, but it's all the same and nothing needs to separate that except my little sip of water.
1: Outstanding. Very good. Yeah. getting that je- that promised land of being like an almost Jedi level. I get that. Yes. Who would?
0: Then passage is what I aspire to.
1: Then passage. Who would MC the gig?
0: You would MC the gig. Really? So, yeah. I feel very comfortable when you're there. I feel like you. Does not everyone say you? Am I pandering too much? I don't want to pander. I want to get it right.
1: Listen, I'll be totally honest with you couldn't be more grateful.
0: I think it would be also, I don't know if this is a, I, can I not be on my dream gig or am oh, I yeah. definitely part of the gig? I don't no, think no, no. I want to be on you don't,
1: to, you don't have to be on the gig. But what happens a lot is, what you know, we're all needy. What happens quite a lot with guests, they'll go, uh, you, you know, James, but you know, I, I can't have you, so we'll have such and such. And then I'm like, I have to nod and go, uh-huh, yeah. But then Tim knows that on the inside, I'm like, where is love? <laughs>
0: I didn't know you could carry a tune. That was pretty good. The vibrato was not my favorite, but you were very on key. Um, Okay, so you're comparing because I like you, because I want you to continue to employ me. And because I just think you you just hit it right. And I don't feel nervous when you compare. I don't feel like I'm ever being set up. Again, I think I'm not going to wind up on this bill, but I don't like when the compare's almost set up a dynamic where the acts feel like an interruption to the shit that they're doing. And I feel like when you compare, you manage this balance of like, because if you're sort of there to facilitate the night that, that has a low status ring to it and you sort of are there to facilitate the night, but you do it with a high status energy. And I just like that balance. So I think you're comparing, I feel safe, sweetie pie sweetness in the room. Beautiful.
1: Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. God bless you. Who would, who would open
0: the gig? Tom Allen would open the gig. Oh, great He's first of all, when I first came here and, and, and i didn't do stand up until i came here so i feel weirdly like a british stand up and the very first gig that i went to my husband was like if you want to start doing these gigs like why don't we go see some stuff like why don't we take a month and we'll just go see a bunch of stuff together and the very first gig that i ever went to was in like a disgusting and semi empty room and it was and tom allen was on and may martin was on and both of them were so much funnier than any, and I mean, you know, you can't reduce things to this, but, but just as a statement of fact for me and my taste and the vibe of that room, both of them were funnier than any kind of cheesy standup at a club in the States that I had ever seen where I'm like, why are people laughing? Like, it's not funny that someone just said, I'm not the favorite child, Emma, and I'm an only child. Like, I don't understand why that's funny. I don't get anything that's happening or why this makes people laugh. And watching Tom and May just kind of Talk was better to me than anything else I'd ever seen. So he and and he was not. No one knew who he was then, and I was like, "This is the fun. Th- who is this? This is the craziest, most singular divine note I've ever experienced." And um, his, I think that his crowd work is as good as his material, and his material is as good as his crowd work, and that is what I want in an opener.
1: Tom Allen is so funny it's beyond he's such a sweetheart i mean i I love the bones of him off stage and like you the first time i saw him was before he was famous and he's just annihilating and you're doing that thing as a comedy fan going why is this guy not you know the big the biggest comedy star in the world and so to see tom um deservedly take his place in the champions league of comedians is it brings so much joy i think Tom has so much goodwill on the circuit so that when Tom became big, I think everyone was just delighted for him. I remember he did the John Bishop Christmas show. I warmed up on it. I think that was it. That was one of his first big stand up slots. And obviously he roofed it and his mum and dad were there. It's such a special night. His mum and dad were there. Yeah. That's a Sarah. That is a a brilliant choice. Brilliant dude, brilliant comedian.
0: You know we love talking shit like comics do generally, and you and I really do, and we can both vouch for the fact that like he's one of the only people that you never hear a bad word said about.
1: The the uh, you can see people's hearts swell when Tom's name comes up.
0: Yes, yes. So that's my my very fancy, fancy, fancy opener. At
1: oh, least also his tour restarts soon. If you, uh, I mean he doesn't need my but the tour's probably sold out. But if you, if you get a chance to see him. Jesus wept what what a guy great choice who right who's on in the middle?
0: Okay, I had to think a lot about this. I think who's on in the middle is Sarah Pasco. um she is another again, there were these people that I saw when I first started going to stuff here where I was like, why is this? Better than anything else I've ever seen, and the the first gig I saw her on, um, and I I I think this is an appropriate story story to share. Um, we it was in the run up to Edinburgh 2014 or 2015, and so she was in, and it was July, and so she was in that zone where every show I I know this now. She was in this zone where every show she did, she had to be working the stand up that was in the Edinburgh Hour, right? Like cause, yeah. cause that had to take priority over having a good gig. So it was this semi clubby gig and she was on in the middle and every, a bunch of other, like some people got up and they, they did very well. And I was like, it's not, it's just like, this is like cheesy and dumb to, to me. This feels cheesy and dumb. A magician got up. I was like, I can't, I want to die, but they were killing. And she got up and started talking about um like, women's sexual appetite. And I was like, this is the greatest, funniest, weirdest thing I've ever heard. And I, and she was kind of losing the room, but it was like, um, it was like a, a platonic love story. It was like everyone else fell away. And I was there being like, I don't care if these people aren't, la- this is the greatest thing. You are better. No one else on this bill is fit to lick the bottom of your shoe. (laughs) And I'm the little genius who knows it. And sure enough, you know, that was the year she got nominated and that she was, she was already on the ascent and then she exploded. And we've talked about the gig. She's like, that was a bad gig. I was like, I don't care. I thought it was the most fabulous thing. And now still, when I see her and I do a gig and she'll, you know, she's so rigorous about getting new shit out there. Um, and I'll watch some of it. Like when she'll she'll clip up and I'll always be gank and I'll see it. And I was like, everyone has their parenting stuff, you know. But that's I mean, I'm like, yes, that's the point. That's the that's the parenting point that's never occurred to me. That is a genius bit of stand up. I just, you know, she continues something about getting very successful has only made her stand up better and more rigorous and more, um, you know, forensic is a word I always think of when I think of Sarah Pascoe. And that's not always the trajectory, right? Like, oftentimes you get really famous, you have too many offers, you have too much work to do, and the stand-up is like... And the, the reverse has been true for her.
1: One of my absolute all-time favorites, I I think she's wonderful. She, to me, is like a, a god-tier comedian. Uh- <laughs> Also, someone that's been with ABC since we started twelve and a half years ago. I cannot say enough nice things about her. She's a, a legend. When my eldest was born, her Ashling and Catherine had some Always Be Comedy baby outfits made for it. I mean, yeah, uh, 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 mate, what what a night this is. Who would close the gig?
0: Then I think we have to put our friend Nish Kumar on to close. Jesus, wet. I know. I just, you know, I'm thinking about like really, 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 if I had a friend coming to visit, this is how I was thinking about this. If I had a friend come to visit and I wanted to like show them the best of British, that was sort of how I was thinking about this night. So then I think it would be Nish. He's another one where I think he was like the second or third show I saw when I got up to Edinburgh the first time i ever went and everything else was kind of nothingy and then i saw him and it was like and um i love watching him do a club gig it's kind of rare that i get to and i i you know it's not even that i prefer that to watching him do his tour shows but i just think watching him do a 20 on the very um rare occasions that you could get to do that because there's a sense of momentum I read a review of someone who will remain nameless, but they were and they're I think they're so good and they're so talented. But the review was something like, you know, this is a really good hour of stand-up. This is this, this is this. It doesn't really gain it, there's no um head of steam. And I was like, yes, that would be my one complaint about that act, is that there's no, and we're going and we're going. And Nish um builds up a head of steam like no one I've ever seen. And then also, you know, m- bit by bit and sentence by sentence, it is also beautiful and, and elegant and all that stuff as well. Uh, a,
1: a phenomenal comedian. There's the old Bill Hicks routine about uh, music. You know, when he's screaming, play from your heart, play from your heart. And whenever I watch Nish, I always think this is a dude that play. he plays from plays his from heart. heart. He plays from his soul. Uh, Pearl Jam, my favorite band ever. They play from their heart, play. You know, Nish Kumar has that. The writing is unbelievable. The performance. Is generational. I think I he I think he's I mean he's one of the best to ever do it.
0: And can I tell you a sweet thing as well? Like I've done a bunch of tour support with him, and he's always like, you know, and 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 acts who have tour support will talk about the fact that you're kind you're mostly there to be a friend and keep them from having a mental breakdown because they get too lonely. And to some extent, not everyone, but I think a lot of acts don't even care how you do. Because if you do great you've done great, great. And if you're not great, the audience is even more relieved when you come out as the person whose name is on the the venue or whatever. And he will just like on numerous occasions will have spoken that afternoon about a new bit that I'm working on or this thing that's not quite there, or maybe this. And he will stand backstage with me before he announces me on and is like, do the new, go do your new shit. And then like pushing me out in front of 600 people. And it's like, it's the most supportive and lovely, lovely thing.
1: Sarah, has there been an incident at a gig that you would somehow love to replicate at this gig?
0: This is so unoriginal, but I feel like a couple of times, literally a couple people have stood up to to applaud me at the end of a show. And I would like that. I just think like, why wouldn't I want more standing ovations in my life? I've never had a standing ovation ever. All I've had is a couple of times, two people in the audience are like, fuck it, yeah. And I'm like, "More, I want one proper standing O at some stage.
1: I th- I would say then listeners, next time you're seeing Sarah Baron and she roofs it, get on your feet. Do you yeah. not think standing ovations used to be more common?
0: Oh, that's um. I hadn't noticed that. But is that like, are you talking about sort of generally or specifically with stand up? I th-
1: uh, I think with stand up, I think that I think there used to be more standing us. You still see them every now and then. I'm not saying give them. I'm not saying chuck them away like confetti. But I, I I've seen I've seen shows where I've seen someone, and not, I tell you what, I once saw an icon of comedy, at an iconic venue. It was at the Apollo, and they have been good. But I've never seen an icon waiting for a standing ovation that was never going to come fabulous it was really interesting they were like that you could see them like standing there waiting or they'll stand up now and we were all just like it was an applause that said this has been good but not as great as we'd hoped
0: this is what i'm saying is that there's that that I don't know if it's laziness i don't know what it is but something creeps in at some point and then it starts to
1: well, that's why your Romeshes and your Pascos and your Bridges. That's why they still do the. I mean, I would say this because I run always be company, but that's why they still do the club nights because they never want to lose that sharpness. Yeah. They never, they never go on tour, and the first time they've run through that material is a big theatre. It's because they've honed it and honed it and honed yeah. it in the clubs, unlisted, all that malarkey. Anyway, um, I think that's a great answer. And next, as I say, next time you see Sarah athlete has there been an incident that must not happen under any circumstances at this gig
0: no oh no one can puke i have a vomit phobia like like phobic and if anyone which is surprising that that's actually never happened because we all know what country we're in and i've done the christmas you know i'm still i will know that i've made it when i can say no to any gigs in the month of December. Like that will mean that I am where I want to be. And I was coming back from a gig last night we were like swapping horror stories. And this one girl was like, oh yeah, Birmingham, Birmingham Glee, Christmas gig. This happened, this happened. And then two women puked during my set. And I'd be like, did you stay on stage? And she was like, yeah. I was like, oh no, nah, I would have gone,
1: gone. How, has there ever been a moment where you've had to leave the stage?
0: Yeah. And it happened very recently. I've never, uh, a a fight started to break out like a men's club I was doing in can't even remember it was it was technically London but right you know right at the brink fight started to break out I'm not the best like I don't compare so I'm not the best with crowd work um and I was sort of there and I was like uh and everyone was like keep going and I was like oh I should keep going oh okay So then I kind of tried to keep going and then the fight, like, then there was breaking glass and it moved and I like flew off the stage and the poor, I I didn't even care. It was, you know, for me, I am lucky enough. It wasn't a triggering moment for me. I genuinely was like, I'm getting paid for 20 and I just did 13. Like I was kind of (laughs) belated. But like the poor booker, he doesn't have a lot of women on his gigs. He wants more, but he struggled. Like, and he was, I could tell him being like, oh God, this one woman who does my gigs all the time is now never going to do them again. And he was so apologetic. And I was like, I don't care. It was an anecdote.
1: Final question, Sarah. How do you unwind after a gig?
0: Yes. Okay, it, it's treat time. And I wanna be the person, like Nish will talk about listening to gigs back afterwards. And because there is a way that your synapses are firing right after you gig, where you're like, oh, what I need to do is it's this, it's this here. And if I was better, that would be my post gig ritual. And I would, that would be reflected in the quality of the stand up that you see. <laughs> um, but it I just would, but I don't. I need to release. So I will, I will treat myself. I have the worst taste in music of anyone you've ever met. And I'm always trying to curtail that in myself. So instead of like listening to the news podcast, I should listen to, or I'll be like, oh, I'm going to listen to some like disgusting, like, like bullshit bat, like pit bull, Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> and then um a glass of red wine. The, the, the music is while traveling. And then the um and while I listen to the music, part of what happens is I play out a fantasy where I'm winning a dance competition. That's the thing that happens for me a lot. I'm always, I'm almost 45 years old and still I'm like, what if I get to compete in a dance competition one day? And um, win it. And win it. So I'm I'm having a dance fantasy. Where people are like, I knew Sarah was funny. I didn't know she could dance so good. And then I get home and then I have a glass of red wine and watch TV.
1: Uh, Sarah Barron, that that exceeded very high expectations. God bless you. Thank you very much. And we'll see you soon. Thank you. Tim, that was characteristically a firecracker of an
2: episode. Yes, absolutely. We we love Sarah Barron. And if you didn't already after episode, I'm sure you do now. Very good. Tim, favourite Sarah Barron memory? Great. Well, My my memory is, it's all sort of, it's just in general hanging out with her before a gig because she is, as as you hear in the episode, grade a gossip, a knowledgeable gossip, (laughs) just one for best at it. Also, I mean, I hope Sarah doesn't mind saying this, but when we say gossip, we had to, the cutting room floor was, (laughs) it was a spicy meatball. Yeah, there's, there's some stuff which you won't have heard, which we talked about. Oh, by the way, sorry. If we'd included it, you'd have gone, "What? You can't include that, you know." So just, you, you know, discretion yeah. is the better part of. It. Hang on, I'm not making it anyway. As as ever, nothing, nothing illegal or even immoral, just private. Yes,
1: that was an important caveat. Yeah, um, right. Favorite. Right. I would say this: <clears throat> Sarah Baron loves a WhatsApp voice note just as much as I do. And guys, trust me when I say this, that is a lot. Yeah. And so Ellie Taylor's got that great bit about how, when you leave a WhatsApp voice note, it's your own private podcast because <laughs> once you've left someone a long voice note, the first thing you do is press play and listen <laughs> back to your It's such a great observation. Um, but yeah, Baron, Whenever I see that she's left a WhatsApp, I know full well that I'm in for a, a private one or two minute podcast, and uh, it's an absolute it, it is a treat, as you can imagine. Uh, as we say, by the time this comes out, you'll be able to see Sarah. I mean, that's I've set myself that challenge. You'll be able to see Sarah at Always Be Comedy. As we say, drop us a line uh, with any correspondence. The team at Always Be We're across the socials at Always Be Comedy. Thank you for your shares and what have you always uh, much appreciated. And we are back next week. Tim, thank you as always. Thank you as always, James. Bye, 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 bye.